So, I have to tell you a little story. Well, first of all, Carl's going Carl's to tell you something that's important. I do. It was God, God showed it to you, so you have to... Okay. Uh, just as he was saying we need to get rid of yes, but, I would suggest when you pray, leave out just. Like, I just want to ask you, or I just want just, just... All that does is minimize what you're asking for. You're like apologizing for praying. It's like barely getting up next to God instead of just being there with Him. So that's my suggestion. (laughs) And and I just really appreciate that that you. In the name of love. Okay, so how many of you are here Wednesday? Yes, you were here. Gene, you should. Gene, do you have to get somebody to tell you everything that happened on Wednesday? Um, yeah, I'll just, I don't know. Because it, it was awesome on Wednesday, and we had an opportunity to just. I saw the Holy Spirit move in this group of people like I've never seen the Spirit of God move before. I'm, so, did anybody think Wednesday night was, was kind of unique and, and special? And that God just met you and I mean, in, in some... Well, so, here's, here's an example. And I wish Shirley was here today to, to share it again, but she's not. So, um, you remember on Wednesday, we prayed for each other, but without anything verbal taking place first. We were just asking the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be paired up. I was paired up with Randy. And the assignment was, okay, you, Randy and I are going to get uh, in the presence of God. And and I was going to ask God to show me what he wanted me to pray for Randy. And, And Randy was going to ask God to show me what he was supposed to pray for me without asking, without saying, okay, what's your prayer request? Let's write them down. Um, and the other part of the assignment was don't, because you, you probably, you may know this person pretty well, and so don't pray your opinions. Don't pray, oh, I know, I, I know what Caleb's been going through lately, so I know that I probably need to pray that. No, don't, you, you ask God what he wants to impart or to pray for that other person. Uh, so you have to hear the Holy Spirit. Can't talk at all until, until you start praying. You can pray your prayer out loud, but then don't stop and debrief. Then the other person prays their prayer for you, and then you can stop and, and debrief. But until, until all the praying is done, no human stuff uh, gets involved. Um, so what we're going to do is... Uh, so, so we did that, and the Holy Spirit just did wonderful, wonderful, special, surprising things. Surprising? Were some of you surprised? Um, oh, but so Pat and Shirley were hooked up, and 
Pat, do you have any, is there any way you could sort of summarize what that experience was like for you when you were, when you were praying for Shirley? Mm-hmm. Including, um, one of the things that that you felt like God wanted you to pray for her was an assurance that that Dana was okay. Do you remember exactly what how you phrased that to her? So, so that was wonderful. It was very, and Shirley was very comforted by that. The next day, Shirley gets a phone call. I mean, Dana's been missing for over a month, almost two months now. Uh huh. And we assume that she's not dead, or somebody would have called and said, "Oh, well, we found your daughter's body." And, and it's not the first time she, Dana's wandered off. She gets off her meds, and then she just wanders off. Uh, but. Shirley was finally beginning to think this has gone on so long, so long, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know what to do. Uh, maybe it's time for me to file a missing persons report. That's what was on her mind when she was coming Wednesday night. And, and then the Holy Spirit through Pat ministered to her. And the next morning, Shirley gets a phone call from uh, a psychiatric nurse managing a private psychiatric facility somewhere in the general area saying, oh, we just wanted to let you know, Dana's here. She's been here for about a week. She's doing fine. Um, And here's the weird part. Um, She wants to talk to Jack. If you know anything at all about Dana's relationship with her father, then you would know that that would be, um, that she, she, there's no way, no way she, she wouldn't want to talk to Jack ever, and Jack would rather not talk to her most of the time, because it's just a struggle between them. Uh, she didn't want to talk to Shirley, she wanted to talk to Jack. And so I haven't heard anything of the rest of the story since then. But, But the Holy Spirit was there, um, and and Dana was safe, and she was an okay, and the Holy Spirit knew that on Wednesday. Shirley didn't really find it out until, for, for sure, except through Pat, until the next day, and that's just, I mean, all sorts of of things like that happened on. Wednesday night, little bits of encouragement. Um, God, uh, I think most of us had a, an experience, and I, honestly, I think it started 
some of this got started when uh, Caleb with your sermon emphasizing to people that how important it is to just be in the presence of the Lord and then God came back well, for the testimony that we had the next week from Alan Williams from Chick-fil-A saying an important thing that he learned about the importance of just staying in the presence of the Lord and, and how things happen in you, with you, through you in ways that change you and change other people simply by being in the presence of the Lord. Uh, where we're in the presence of the Lord, then it becomes God working in you and not you trying to work something on your own. Um, and so, so this is something that's going to be huge for us in learning how to walk and being submitted to the Holy Spirit. Because that's, that's all God has ever wanted us to do is just walk and be submitted to him in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, there's this wonderful picture. Isn't this a wonderful picture? Uh, and the same spirit, what? That raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in who? Me, you, us, them, everybody. Same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And even in John Alexander. And John, I'm going to give you one minute to get up here and talk to this microphone and, and tell people what, you can do this. On your mark, get set, go. Just try. Because he was here Easter, he heard that sermon. And just summarize real quick. Just, I just realized that, like, um, Jackie said that, you know, why do you put me on the spot like this? <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. It's not you. The Holy Spirit's going to talk through you. Just If we're supposed to feel like that every day when we wake up, it's not just when we wake up. It's every second. It's like we're baptized in the, in the water once, but we're really born again like this every second, every day. It's not just when you get up. It's not just at lunch or when you're sitting in your dinner prayers. It's all the time. It's every second is a chance to be born again. How can you do and take of anything bad when you've got a thousand good things you could do and zero bad things? It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's not us. Right. It was never us. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. High five. All right. That, this is an ongoing experience. Every day, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. And so this should be a picture of our lives every day, every second, every minute of every day. That's... That's the way God can see the Christian life to be. Um, the devil tries to trick us out of it. Um, but anyhow, hallelujah for that. Um, so uh, we're going to try to catch up with... Um, the last time I preached, which I can't even... If it weren't for the fact that I keep the notes of all this stuff, I wouldn't even remember. Um, but remember, we got through chapter 9, verse 31 of the book of Acts, where... Paul's, he's now trying to serve the Lord. He goes to Jerusalem and he almost gets killed and Barnabas comes and saves his bacon and sends him back to Tarsus. And so, but the power of the Holy Spirit was just trying to spread all through Jerusalem. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talk a lot about the power of the Holy Spirit and amazing, incredible, exciting things happen. But the larger, most consuming part of our relationship with the Holy Spirit is the comfort of the Holy Spirit. 
comfort being, I'm going to be here with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Because that's what this word means in Greek, parakaleo, to come alongside, to comfort and encourage, not magically, not to instantly fix everything, but to always stand with you and sit with you and walk with you and support you so you are not alone during your journey to wholeness. The Holy Spirit is never not... The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling in you, which means you are never abandoned. You are never alone. You are never without resources. You are never... um, No matter what the world wants to... Whatever hole the, the, the world wants to put you in, you are in his arms and whatever needs whatever you need to get through where you are to get on to the next thing the spirit of God is living in you to facilitate that and not just to give you what you want but to accomplish in you what God wants and y'all you're not always right about what you think you need Uh, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. Lord, I want you to do this. God, God's the only one. That's why we, the main reason that we prayed the way we prayed on Wednesday was so that you wouldn't get in and say, let me tell you what I need you to pray for me. I want this and this and this and this. And the Holy Spirit's going, no, no. You're missing it. Just let me do what I want to do in you. Thy, will be, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy will be done in me just like it's being done in heaven. Okay, so that was then. We're now, we had a great message from Caleb and a great message from Doug Montague, and now we're going to go here. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 35. This is, this is a a section of scripture that I think we don't give, we don't, we go, we blow right through this thing, we go, oh, so now we're back to Peter. And Peter's healing somebody. Well, that's cool. Let's keep going. Now, verse 32 through 35, Peter heals this guy. And yay, God. But let's look at this. Now, Peter was traveling through all these regions, that being uh, Judea and Samaria and Galilee. Uh, So he's finally gotten up the courage to get out of Jerusalem and get with the program. And uh, so he came down to see the saints who lived at Lydda. Let's just say Lydda. It could be Lydda for all I know. Uh, saints. Uh, somebody tell, uh, uh, can we all agree right now that a saint is somebody who belongs to Jesus? Yes. A saint is not some, isn't somebody who glows in the dark and walks on water. Uh, uh, a saint is not somebody... Who, I mean, a saint is just somebody who belongs to Jesus. You're sanctified, you belong to Jesus. That's who a saint is. Raise your hand if you know any saints. Raise your hand. That's good. Uh, Raise your hand if you see any saints in this room. Raise your hand if you are a saint. (laughs) Wait, is this a trick question? (laughs) We are all saints because we are sanctified by the blood of Jesus and we belong to him. To the saints... I, Jackie, write this letter to the saints who are in Granite Shoals at Christ Redeemer Fellowship. That's who you are. We are saints. So he went, he was just looking for, for believers at, at Lydda. And there he came across this dude named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years before he was paralyzed. 
And Peter said to him, Aeneas, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I now rebuke all the things that have been oppressing you, and I am now laying my hands on you, and I am commanding all those diseases to get off of you, and I am speaking healing to you, and I am commanding you to be healed in the name of Jesus. Now get up so I can lay my hands on you, so I can push you over. Look at this. Look at what Peter says. I love this. Peter walks up to him and he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. There's no evidence here that he even laid hands on him, but he just walked up and maybe he laid hands on him, maybe he didn't, but, but all he said was, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. And it's interesting, he didn't say, now we're getting into arcane, trivial, theological, disputey batters, but he didn't say, he didn't even say, Aeneas, Aeneas, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he healed you then, so you just need to step forward and claim your healing. He said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ is healing you. Jesus Christ is... I mean, I haven't studied the verb tense well enough to, to go too far out here, but Jesus Christ... He didn't say has healed you. He didn't say will heal you. Uh, he, he, it's the sense that Jesus Christ is, is always healing you. He's always your healer. And right now he's healing you, but he's just going to keep on healing you. Jesus Christ heals you. Think, think of, just think of that, to be able to say, Jonathan, Jesus Christ heals you. Jean, Jesus Christ heals you. Carlene, Jesus Christ heals you. To just walk into that room, to make that, I don't want to trivialize this, because it's more than a greeting, but it is, it's spoken by somebody who is flowing, just flowing in the, the presence of the Holy Spirit to be able to look and see, Karen, Jesus Christ heals you. Isn't there something almost goosebumpy about that? The way it just, Jesus Christ heals you. Rosie, Jesus Christ heals you. Ruth, Jesus Christ heals you. Um, can you. Can you just sense the anointing of the Holy Spirit that just flows out of that? So get up and make your bed. Aeneas, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. So get up and make your bed. It's going to be okay. And immediately he got up. We presume he made his bed. Uh And all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him. Look at this. How many people saw him? 
everybody who lived at Lydda and Sharon, it's actually, that's a plain, the plain of Sharon, which is the plain between Jerusalem and the Mediterranean. Uh, all the people who lived in that region saw him and they all turned to the Lord. By somebody just walking in and, I mean, obviously it's a notable thing to do, but, but it wasn't, I mean, this, there wasn't, there wasn't a big production here. That's the point I'm trying to get to. There wasn't a big production here. Um, there wasn't any, there wasn't any indication that, that Peter was like, oh, I'm going to be healed in Jesus' name. It was like, yeah, it was just, just the love of Jesus flowing out of him. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Okay. Okay. Isn't that beautiful? What happened here? I just put it down. Well, no, some of the camera's on. I didn't, I didn't. Stop that. Why, why is this acting so weird? Just fix it. I just, all I did was just put it down there. Well, stop it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it started. No problem. I, this is where I want to be. Now, that's not the only thing that he did on this trip. For most people, that'd be like a cool thing. You, you, you did that trip, and then he want to like write home about it. But me, it's like meanwhile back at the ranch, <laughs> over in Joppa, which is on the coast. There was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas, which doesn't help us at all. I mean, does it? I mean, really? So, so, uh, so her Hebrew name was Tabitha, but for those, for those of you Greeks, um, it, in Greek, it would be Dorcas. Well, what about people who read English? Does anybody know? Anybody translated in Greek? It's, uh, it's called Dorcas. What's this? What's this? What's this woman's name signify? Anybody know? <laughs> yes? Gazelle or antelope. And beautiful. Gazelles were, or, or antelopes were um, metaphorical, uh, graceful, beautiful animals. So, she, so this woman uh, was known... Uh, to be graceful and beautiful. She was abounding with deeds of, of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was over there, they sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. Do not delay. Hurry. Get here as fast as you can. So Peter arose and went with him. Well, this is just kind of setting the scene for what happens next. So when Peter arrived, they brought him into the upper room and all the widows stood beside him and they were weeping and showing all the tunics and the garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. It's very intense. I mean, they've just lost a dear sister and a dear friend and a, and a, a small 
intimate community where everybody knows each other and depends on each other. A major member of the family has just dropped off the face of the earth and they're grieving and, and, in, and in Near Eastern cultures, grieving is like um, the louder and more out of control it can be, the better off it is. It's, it's sometimes they actually hired people to come and yell and scream and and rend their garments because you just get tired of that, so you have to take a break, and then you have other people come and do it for you. I'm not making that part up. Uh, and so, so Peter, this is a smart move on Peter's part. He, he sent them all out. He says, you're, you're doing a great job of grieving. Just go do it someplace else. So, and he sent them out of the room. And then he knelt down and he prayed. This is slightly different than the process that he used with Aeneas. Maybe for obvious reasons, since Aeneas wasn't dead, he was just paralyzed, I don't know. Uh, but, but Peter, he kneels down and he prays for some length of time. Doesn't say. And then he turns to the body so it means when he was praying, he was kneeling down. He was not praying for... During, when it says he was praying, he wasn't talking to the body. He wasn't praying over the body. He was... What was he doing? He was making sure that he was moving into the presence of God. And I don't know how that process worked for him. I don't know how long it, it took. Um... But he spent some time kneeling down in the presence of God. And when he was done, then he turned to the body. And he said, Tabitha, arise. Tabitha, arise. Still kind of the non-sensationalistic, non-tricked-out, pumped-up a process that he used with Aeneas. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Um, Tabitha, arise. Again, not this, oh, you know, not begging, not pleading, not pounding the earth. I, I... I don't think that when Peter was praying, and this is no way to prove this, and it's just my opinion. At that time when Peter was praying, I don't, th- I don't think he was praying, oh, Lord, don't, don't, don't mess this up. Oh, Lord, please, please bring Tabitha back to the dead or else I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, Lord, this is so important for you to bring Tabitha back to the dead because people are counting on you and they're counting on me and if they're going to blame me if she isn't raised from the dead. Uh, so I, I just think... He was getting in the presence of the Lord. Possibly to find out what God wanted to do. Because not every person that died during the age of the apostles was brought back from the dead. Well, God moves and, and he has reasons and, and the first thing you need to do, I think, is check and make... In the presence of the Lord, you can hear the voice of the Lord. Somebody asked Catherine Kuhlman once, oh, why isn't... Um, everybody healed at your meetings. And she said, you know, I pray for people. And uh, I, I think 
I don't, I don't want to get too far off the track, but basically she said, sometimes God lets me pray for people and sometimes he doesn't. Um, so maybe that's what was going on. But he was in the presence of God and then whatever it was was settled. Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand and he raised her up and then he called the saints and the widows, which I think most of the widows were also saints, but I can't be sure. Uh, he presented her alive, and it became known all over Joppa, and a whole bunch more people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa, living with some dude named Simon who was a tanner. And why did he stay many days in Joppa? Because the people wouldn't let him leave. They wanted to know about Jesus. They wanted Peter to pray for them. They, they wanted to experience the power and presence of God. They wanted, to, they wanted to know how to get into the presence of God. You can't just come in and raise somebody from the dead and then just leave town. Uh, so... Uh, but in both of these stories, the, the approach to the, the actual intercessory exchange is just so peaceful, so not stressful, so, so much how I think Jesus would do it if you were, if you were Jesus face to face. If Jesus was standing here face to face and he would say, I'm, John's going to be okay. John, arise. It's going to be okay. Um, I'm taking care of this. Um, it's just so sweet in the way it flows together. Uh, now, the point I want to get here is, is that Peter didn't, um, my understanding is that Peter has grown in his relationship with Jesus since this incident I'm about to show you. Um, so you, you remember when Jesus and Peter and James and John and uh, Moses and Elijah all melt on, met on top of the Mount Transfiguration. And they're, um, they're all going in the dark and um, they were having some kind of high-level conference and, and Peter wanted to build some tabernacles and, and sell trinkets and have a food truck come in and um, turn it into a, a big tourist attraction. And... Um, and God said, basically, um, my son is talking, please shut up. <laughs> um, <clears throat> meanwhile, what was going on down at the base of the, of the mountain was um, a father had brought his um, demon-possessed son who kept having seizures, and, seizures and, the, and the disciples that were left down at the bottom were trying to cast the demon out and it's just going very, very badly. <laughs> So, Jesus comes down and says, what's going on here? And the father tells him the story and all the disciples are like hiding behind a tree. And, they, uh, and the father said, if you would just do something, if you could, Lord, we, we, could you do something? Um, I think you could heal him if you, if you wanted to, if you could. And Jesus basically said, look, that's not the point. Don't, don't say if you want to or if you could. That's not the question. The question is, all things are possible for those who believe. To which the guy says, 
Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, I do believe. Oh, I'm afraid I don't believe enough. I'm afraid I don't have enough faith. I'm trying, Lord, I'm really trying, but I, I, I'm trying to trust you. Please help me to trust you more. And when Jesus saw that a crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying and throwing him into the ter- in terrible com- convulsions that came out, the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He's dead. <laughs> but Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he got up, and but that was that. And when they came into the house, there was a house somewhere, Jesus' disciples began questioning him privately, Jesus, why could we not drive that out? And Jesus said, um, this kind can't come out by anything but prayer. Now this is a sort of, a, I mean, there are all sorts of opinions about what this means. But, because obviously, since Jesus didn't stop right there and say, okay, everybody back off. I've got to consult with the Father on this. I'm going to have to pray. I'll be back in a couple of days. Uh, by implication for me, what Jesus is saying here is that you have to be... What's the, the old Pentecostal term we used to call it? You have to be, you have to be prayed up. In other words, you have, your relationship with Jesus has to be up to date. Um, you have to be already soaking in the presence of the Lord to be able to operate in some of these situations. Um, Where you're hearing his voice, where you're hearing his voice on the way, when you're hearing his voice when you get there. I mean, a lot of us, think about this for a second. A lot of us come to church because we're hoping maybe when we get to church we'll hear the voice of the Lord. Because the rest of the time and the rest of the way, the rest of our lives are just too goofed up. Um, and we come to church maybe overwhelmed, uh, hungry, dry, thirsty. I'm going to get filled up here and maybe I even hear something from the Lord. Well, I hope you hear something from the Lord when you're here too. I hope you have that experience when you're here. But what Jesus is saying is that you can be prayed up all the time. You can be in the presence of the Lord all the time. Because sometimes you may need to, to pray for somebody and it's not Wednesday night. And it's not Sunday night. Sometimes you may need to hear from God about something really important on Thursday afternoon. Um, how, how do you stay in tune? Or it's important to stay in tune. It's important for me, it's a matter of having to be reminded. And the Holy Spirit will do this for us. It's not up to you. The Holy Spirit will do this for you. If you're just listening, the Holy Spirit will remind you, wait a minute, you're off on your own. Wait a minute, you've you've zigged when you should have jagged. You've you've acted when you should have rested. Uh, You've hesitated when you should have trusted. Just, Just come back to me and crawl under my wings. Let me comfort you. Let me encourage you. Don't go off. But did Moses say, I'd rather stay in the desert and knowing I'm in the presence of the Lord than go into the promised land without him, right? You think you're in the desert, but if you can come under the wings of the Father in the desert, 
and be in his presence, surrender to his presence, then the desert turns into an oasis. Jesus said this, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Jesus, the more you soak in my presence, the more all things are possible. Surrender to me, soak in my presence, listen for my voice. And some of you on Wednesday thought, this is going to be too hard, we can't do this. And then, like Pat said, Pat said, you didn't know what you were going to say, then you opened your mouth and this stuff just came out because you were waiting on the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit took over. This is so awesome. Uh, So we're talking about fruits of relationships here. Um, I see believers struggling all the time and feeling unsatisfied in their faith and and feeling like they're unworthy and feeling like they're not getting anywhere and feeling like their prayers aren't getting answered and feeling all sorts of feelings. And it almost always just comes down to one thing. You're not, uh, something has separated you from resting in the presence of the Lord. Something has separated you from being centered in his love. Because when you are there, when you're in that sweet spot, and the Spirit of God is just whispering to you, then it doesn't mean that everything in your life is okay, but it does mean that you have hope for everything that's going on in your life. So so I was just kind of wondering, you know, for me, in His presence, there is safety because His love is just washing over you. And in his presence, there is peace. When you've got that relationship with him, that peace, um, when you are sensing the presence of the Lord, even though you're not sure what's going to happen next, you know it's going to be okay. Somehow or another, it's going to be okay. You're not trying to tell God what to do. You're just trying to surrender to what you know God is going to do because he's God and you're not. Uh, In his presence... You get to rest from all your works because it becomes clearly that's not up to us. This is one of the words, this is the main word that Randy ministered to me on Wednesday. It was such a powerful, helpful word because as a pastor, you know, you end up feeling like it's my job to fix everything. And fix everything, have answers to every solution, and to fix everybody. And, you know, and I get up here every Sunday morning and I look out there and, this, and I think, am I supposed to fix all of you? Oh, Lord. Um, this, um, um, so, but you rest in his presence you can rest from trying to find solutions to everything or feeling like it's your job to find solutions to everything and knowing that Jesus is the great problem solver Jesus is the healer Jesus is you always think, we always tell people that Jesus is the answer and the world keeps hollering back fine well what's the question um Jesus brings safety, peace, rest from all your works because he's working in you. Comfort for our, our wounds and our losses. Some of us are still carrying scars. Some of us are still grieving losses. And, we, and those things can't be fixed. History cannot be rewritten. 
What you need is a comforter who just holds on to you and helps you get through one day after the next. In his presence, that all happens. You have courage to face your fears and to keep on trusting him because um, there's some thing, things that we just irrationally get afraid of. Um, fear is our... I don't know how long it takes us to grow in the Lord to the point where fear isn't our automatic first reaction to everything. Whenever we get a surprise, whenever, things, whenever we, we get a phone call or we get a letter or somebody sends us an email and it's disturbing, instead of saying, glory to God, another opportunity to see God glorified, it's like, now what? Oh, I don't have time for this. I don't know what, you know, what, what if, uh, and then we start panicking. That's, that's, that fear is always what rises up first. And then the Holy Spirit has to say, take a breath. Take a breath, Chuck. You know, you're still supremely blessed. I'm still in charge. This is going to be okay. I know you don't have the answer, but I have you. So it's going to be okay. Don't freak out. Just keep trusting me. Confidence in his presence because you are so close to him and you know that he's faithful. We tell each other all the time on Sunday morning, sometimes life is hard, blah, 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 but God is always faithful. But when you are aware that you are resting in his presence, then it's not me parroting some little phrase to you. It's the Holy Spirit himself saying, Grace, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be faithful to you. I've got this. It's going to be all right. Um, confidence, which, which means, okay, so I guess I can get out of bed. Uh, in his presence, we decrease. Ooh, and that's, that's what needs to happen more often. All the, all the nasty parts of me need to decrease so that he can increase. And when we're in his presence, he increases. He increases. Uh, we cease striving and we let him be God. So, I know. So, so we've got this one last question then, which is, if being in his presence can, can change the way you pray so that you just walk up to John Alexander and say, John, Jesus Christ heals you. Or even to face a huge challenge like with Tabitha Dorcas um, and know I need to get into the presence of God so that I can be reminded that the battle is the Lord's. It's not me. This isn't a failure issue for me. This isn't a matter of me doing it right or wrong. This is just a matter of surrendering to God and letting him show me what to do. Oh, and you get all these important benefits from being in his presence. The question really then becomes, how do you get in his presence and stay in his presence? How do you get into his presence and stay in his presence? Um, because when you pitch it like this, then everybody says, well, yeah, yeah, that's what I want. Where do I get the five video study series and the manual on how to do that? Here's a little secret tip for you. You are never not in his presence. Read Psalm 139 one time, sometime. 
too long, too long to go through now, but just read Psalm 139. You are never not in his presence. What makes the difference is for you to be willing and ready and hungry to stop thinking about how you're feeling and what you want and simply saying, here I am, Lord. Can I just come, Lord, can I just come under your wings and just cuddle with you? Can I just come and, be, and just be a little chick in your presence? And I just want to rest with you, Lord, and let you do in, with, through, for me, whatever you want. That's all. It, that, that verse that I, we quoted during praise and worship time, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I'm just here. Here I am. So I've longed to just gather you to come to me, but you won't. You're off doing your own thing. You're trying to fix your own problems. You're, you're tr- trying to recreate the world in, in the way you think it ought to be. You're, tr- you're trying to... And, and sometimes it's not that you're motivations are wrong your goals are wrong but your methods are wrong and they keep separating you from me Jerusalem Jerusalem just come just let me comfort you I'm just right here we're in the presence of the Lord right now you are in the presence of the Lord in the car on the way here you are going to be in the presence of the Lord when you go out the door and he's just sitting here Waiting, just waiting. I don't know if I want to come to you or not, Lord, because if I come to you, you're going to make me change my attitude about some stuff. And I, 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 want, I want it my way, and I want it done my way, and I don't want to be wrong, and I don't want those other people to be right. And I know, Lord, that if I come to your presence, you're going to make me forgive them, and you're going to take away um, some of my bitterness and my frustration. But I like, sometimes I like being bitter and frustrated. Um, okay if that's the way you want it or you can just come Jesus Christ heals you I want to start praying that way whenever the Holy Spirit allows us to when it be as we're ministering to each other to just focus on Till we, till we sense that the Spirit of God is speaking to us and he's ready to act. And then no more begging, no more pleading, no more crying and trying to shake the gates of heaven, but to just say, Laura, Jesus Christ heals you. Karen, Jesus Christ heals you. Because it's, it's not the sophistication of our prayer. It's the presence of who we are praying to that makes all the difference. So, Jesus, we love you. Well, we say we love you, we just... It's so hard to love in comparison to the way you love us. So, so Lord, we 
thank you for loving us. Just help us, Lord. Give us a little taste today of how much we are loved by you, how safe we are in your presence. Thank you for the peace and the rest and the comfort and the courage and the confidence. Lord, we want more of you and less of us. More of you and less of us. Give us grace to stop striving to just let you be God. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.